This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Any home or business can quickly become infested with mold with the introduction of a water source like a roof or plumbing leak. When your home, your belongings, or your business becomes damaged, it's not just about cleaning up the mess. It's about reclaiming your life, and that's why you need to call the Water and Mold Removal Hotline. A licensed, fully insured, affordable, non-invasive solution to solving any water and mold problems. Our team of trained specialists are available with 24-7 emergency service. We will quickly evaluate your problem and give you a plan that will guarantee results. Water causes damage and mold can spread throughout your property in as little as 48 to 72 hours and can produce allergens and irritants that have the potential to cause serious health hazards. So don't waste time. Give us a call now. For any water or mold problems, call the Water and Mold Removal Hotline. Call 800-442-7043 today for a free estimate. That's 800-442-7043. 
Hillary Clinton, of course. So somehow there's still this idea out there that the Republicans are the party of the rich, but all of the really rich people that I know are Democrats, uh, with, with very few exceptions, um, not including people I work with who are conservatives in media who have done very well. There are a few. There's obviously a lot of very well-paid conservative uh, radio hosts and political commentators and all the rest of it. But people that I know from my day-to-day life in New York who are really rich, they're Democrats. I can't. I think of a handful that are Republicans. They're all Democrats. So the Republicans as the party of the rich is just old thinking, and it's not true, and, and it's nonsense. But we've been dealing with this for a long time, and I have days. Honestly, I have days where I think to myself, it would be so easy to just go to the other side. It's, this is Why do I do this? Why do I choose? Because I, mean, I, I love words and ideas, and I love radio and TV and writing and and analyzing things and learning about things you know if i if i hadn't gotten into media um the only reason i ever thought about going to wall street or finance was so i could make enough money to live as an adult in new york city it's very hard to live here um and but i mean i would have loved to have been a teacher but again if you're a teacher you run up against this Uh, i don't mean a teacher i really more of a professor i think would be more my speed but I, I love this process. What I get to do with you all every day is is a gift, and I'm very, very thankful for it because I share thoughts with you and I try to entertain, but I also do research. And it, there's, I learn from you, and I read the things that you're sending me all the time, and and the Facebook posts and the the links, and hey, Buck, what about this? And the questions that you know, it's, it, the life of the mind there is is fan, is fascinating and it's fantastic, um, but. I do think sometimes it is so much harder to be a Republican in this city, to be a conservative, and it is harder career-wise. I mean, there's really only one channel where you get to be a conservative and not be made to feel weird, okay, and the channel's Fox News. Uh, There are very few major publications, and there's no major newspapers other than the Wall Street Journal, but there's very few even major publications to work for where you can write as a conservative. And it's just it's just harder to to be to do the things that I want to do. It is harder to have the ideas that I have, the ideas that you and I share. Uh, And so I think, you know, why do I do this? And then I always come back. Well, it's who I am. So this this turns into it. It almost starts to be a a social justice snowflake moment from the left. This is just who I am. I'm just this person. Uh, but it's true. Uh, this is who I am. This is how I think. And I, don't, I, I wouldn't be happy with myself pretending to be something else. And I think eventually you would just drive yourself nuts positioning, you know, posturing and pretending to be somebody you're not. So I've just, I just accept that this is going to be harder than the other side of things. It would be great if I could be a smug Democrat, you know, smug Democrat, former CIA officer who gets to go on TV and you know, everyone at CNN is so nice to him and everyone at MSNBC thinks he's brilliant and, you know, colleges across the country would want to invite me and, you know, the big publishing houses would want to throw more money at me than I'm worth for my first book, all that kind of stuff, right? That's just not going to be my deal. But when I look at why that is, it's because there are these built-in assumptions in conversation and in the world, in the in the realm of ideas and in the sharing of ideas in this country, there are built-in uh, really prejudice uh, prejudices there are preconceived notions and there are lines of thought that are ossified they have hardened they are very difficult to get around or break through that 
you know, you know what the, and this this is true in political correctness. It's true in dealing with any of the sort of Democrat political orthodoxies. This is what is out there, and if you're going to, this is where Trump comes in now. If you're going to stop that. If you want that to end, if you don't want to be in a situation anymore where that's the case, we're, we're not going to convince CNN. It, it, it has to be a campaign of counterpunch. It has to be uh, dramatic. It has to be to the mat. It has to be visceral and intense. And did anyone really think that an administration or or even better a political movement that takes the media head on for its biases was going to be polite and i know i start to sound and it's it's a little i i can understand for some it's it feels a little weird for a second because i know this was early on for some who were on the trump train very early this is what they were saying and I wasn't really buying it. But now that he's president, I see what's going on. I think to myself, well, we want someone to change the system. We want someone to change the narrative. We want someone to change the discussion. There's no way that they're going to be able to do that. There's absolutely no way they will do that without making the people who have made a living and and, and they've positioned themselves behind these ideas and they use these ideas to silence others and th- their whole position, their posture, their lifestyle, their sense of self is based upon the truth of these lies. Look at these huge journalists, TV journalists at the major networks and you know, the, the columnists for the major newspapers and uh, you, know, you just go down the line heads of the Democratic Party and their, their biggest donors, their position in life, their sense of self, everything is for them rooted in these things being true. Climate change is about consensus with science, and if you don't believe it, you are some sort of imbecile and anti-science, Bible-thumping moron. Um you know, affirmative action is necessary because we have to make up for historical ills and also current discrimination against non-African American groups that we want to give affirmative action to because they're having a tougher time because of white privilege. White privilege is a real thing. White privilege exists, and therefore, people who don't admit white privilege is real are a problem, and their uh, their achievements must be seen in a different light because their privilege is always factored in everything. That's all. That's all true. Uh, a, a woman's right to choose is a central part of. A, a, a free society and it is the, the centerpiece of uh, liberated women and it is about women's rights and without a right to choose women are oppressed and they are second-class citizens i mean you just go you go down the line with all of this uh, and you, whatever the whatever the core issue is for the left you go down the line oh you know that that people should pay other people should pay more in taxes because the rich need to give more to the poor but the rich people who are Democrats shouldn't have to just give more. They shouldn't just give more themselves because it's about other people giving more money. It's about the system forcing others to give up money in order to help the poor. And that's fair. But individual Democrats can pay very expensive, high priced uh, accountants and lawyers to get them out of as much tax as possible. And that's not hypocrisy. And, you know, you just go down the whole thing. 
and I could I could do this about atheism versus uh, Christianity. I could do this. You go down the line, and they have they have formed this elite layer of society that has certain beliefs, and you have to hold certain beliefs to be a member of that elite layer of that elitist sect of the internationalist, globalist, progressive American. And you have to believe these things to be in that club. And we think that we're going to stop them from acting that way. We're We're going to end their totalitarian and oppressive mindset by by just persuading them this is what i have to say this is the the moment that i've had where a lot of the early trumpers who were reaching out to me and they were in the beginning they were pretty quiet about it um i i think i was honest about my feelings about trump always but i may have been uh harsher on him you know what actually it's it's not that i was harsher on him i should have been harsher about ted cruz who i find to be uh Pretty, yeah, unlikable is a fair way to put it. Uh, I don't mean that as a personal a personal attack. I, I don't know. I don't know Senator Cruz, Ted. I don't know Ted, uh, but he comes off as disingenuous to me, and that's a huge. That is a huge problem. Huge. I know. Every time I say huge, now I think huge. It's a huge problem for a modern politician, for any politician. And I, I think Ted Cruz, who is, you know. Uh, Canadian born of Cuban parentage who now is like Mr. Uh, Mr. Texas and twangy and everything else. You know, I mean, he went to like Princeton and Harvard and was pretty snooty at those places from what all of his classmates said. So, you know, I'm not sure that it's all authentic. I'm just, and and I probably should have come out and said that, although I felt like at the time Trump and Cruz and I should have, I I was trying to push for the candidate that I thought would be best. And I did think that he would have been a very, uh, very effective and very good president. But he wouldn't have done. He wouldn't have been this. He wouldn't have been a possible antidote to the progressive pandemic, and that's what we see happening now. But what I'm trying to, in a very loose and stream of consciousness way, I realize, is to bring you into my thinking on this because I think I feel like uh, Trump being so hated by the media. And taking this un, uncensored, unorthodox approach to so many issues and the way that he is and the fact that he doesn't care what they say and is in their face and calls them at a press conference. How else did we think the narrative was going to change? I mean, I can ask you this. George W. Bush was not a brilliant man, but not dumb at all. That's a, that's a lie and it's a slander and people shouldn't have gotten away with saying that at all and it's you know it's a very good intelligence test actually anybody who says george bush was a moron is in fact a moron george bush was not a dumb man and it's nonsense that so many people were saying that but he also wasn't he wasn't an intellectual powerhouse by any stretch i mean that's that's also fair to say and his last name and his family wealth were the most important parts of his you know worldly success i think that's also fair to point out but he was he was within the realm of your standard politician, you know, um, and I think that he his heart was in the right place. I think that he was a good man and a patriot. I think he loves America and I think he wanted to do his best and do right by this country. Um, and sure, he had a couple of little moments where he would mix it up with the media, but nothing on the scale that we've seen from Trump. Um, but 
did he change the narrative? And I mean, the only thing I can point to would be, well, he was willing. He he really went after Al Qaeda, and he his response to nine eleven was roll up the sleeves and go for the jugular, go for the enemy. And I and he deserves a lot of credit for that. He gets so much heat. He gets so much nastiness from people because of the mistakes made. And there were mistakes with the intelligence in Iraq, the way they sold it. They should have just said, look, we got to go into Iraq because we're, you know, it's a drain the swamp of a different kind. I mean, drain the swamp of, uh, of jihadism and the autocracy that feeds jihadism. And, and does anyone really think, look what's happening in Syria and elsewhere. I really think that Iraq was going to be the island of stability. I mean, that's nonsense. I can't prove a counterfactual or I can't prove a counterhistorical uh, situation. But I, I think it's you can at least surmise. Anyway, but Bush was trying to drain the swamp that way. But Trump is trying to drain the swamp here at home. And I know he, apparently he didn't like that analogy to begin with, which I think is funny. And I can understand why he wasn't such a big fan of it. Um, but it does have a, a, a meaningful... It does bring out certain sentiments, and I think that it can be a useful way of thinking about things. Um, but wouldn't we need someone who is hated by the media and goes after them and is disruptive? You know, disruptive is a word that they use. They, people love to talk about disruptive in Silicon Valley and in the technology world. You, you want to be disruptive. Oh, this is a disruptive technology. It means that the status quo, the way of doing things, the way of thinking about things changes. With Trump, what we have, it seems to me, is a disruptive presidency. And don't those of us who are sick of being told what to say and what to do and how to live and, and you know, that have uh, the freedom. People say, oh, how are your freedoms? Freedom to, freedom to speak, to think, to choose different paths for yourself. That's all being freedom to own property. And not feel like it's just what the state lets you keep. And not feel like the state's always determining that there are other people that have rights to your property. You know, property rights are an essential part of a, of a civilized society. I mean, this is always lost. You know, the left just thinks, oh, well, you know, you're lucky we'll let you keep what we, what we let you keep. You know, the government should be taking even more. But if we're going to change the way all of this is done, don't we need a disruptive presidency? Don't we need somebody who's hated by the left? And who takes the fight to them. And not just in a legislative agenda and executive orders and the workings of government way, but that too. But as a narrative, as part of the debate, as part of how we talk about things. Did we really think that we would get a transformation in the way this country is allowed to think and speak and act and be without it being a major disruption to the way things were in the past. And with this disruption, of course, comes angst and anger and fighting and everything that we're seeing right now, my friends. All right, team, I'll be back with you in just a minute. Stay with me. Buck Sexton, the Blaze Radio Network. Any home or business can quickly become infested with mold with the introduction of a water source like a roof or plumbing leak. When your home, your belongings, or your business becomes damaged, it's not just about cleaning up the mess. It's about reclaiming your life. And that's why you need to call the Water and Mold Removal Hotline. 
a licensed, fully insured, affordable, non-invasive solution to solving any water and mold problems. Our team of trained specialists are available with 24-7 emergency service. We will quickly evaluate your problem and give you a plan that will guarantee results. Water causes damage and mold can spread throughout your property in as little as 48 to 72 hours and can produce allergens and irritants that have the potential to cause serious health hazards. So don't waste time. Give us a call now. For any water or mold problems, call the Water and Mold Removal Hotline. Call 800-442-7043 today for a free estimate. That's 800-442-7043. 800-442-7043. Dispensing the truth. This is Buck Sexton on the Blaze Radio Network. Hey team, I got so fired up there again with my discussion about my stream of consciousness on where Trumpism is that I went a little long for that segment. So um, I would uh, love to take a call if you got one coming in, 888-900-3393. And uh, hope you enjoyed, if you got a chance morning to Fox Business. Um, I was on 6 to 9 a.m., with Maria Bartiromo, that was actually Dagan McDowell at the helm, uh, who's great. I think Dagan's fantastic. She's really smart, really nice, really good at what she does. So we're going to switch some uh, topics up here. we got a lot more coming up, team. So um, I'm going to uh, take calls if they come in. Also, of course, tonight, 6 to 9 Eastern, American Now Radio. Best way to listen, AmericanNowRadio.com. If you want to listen to a podcast of it, go to AmericanNowRadio.com slash podcast. We'll be right back. This is the Buck Sexton Show. The Blaze Radio Network. I got to say, with friends like Trump has on the, and you see this now with the administration in general, with friends like some conservatives um, that they have, you got to wonder, they don't even need enemies. They, they got problems coming in from their own side of things. Uh, here is, Chuck Todd was on Meet the Press, and he asked David Brooks about uh, about Trump, and this is what he said this week that you had were headlined how should one resist the trump administration that was a valentine's day <laughs> uh, what a failed trump administration looks like um you have that's pretty declarative in 30 days enemy of the people i'm an enemy of the people uh you know what my fear of the administration as it's shaken out so far is not that it's incipient fascism it's that it's anarchy uh, there are 696 appointed jobs that need require Senate confirmation, and the Trump administration hasn't come up with names for 692 of them. And so there's nobody home in the government. The civil service has basically opted out because they've been offended by Trump. The court system has given themselves permission to block every Trump initiative because they've been attacked by Trump. The intelligence community is some sort of disarray or disaffection. To lead, you actually need to lead a government. And the government has gone AWOL. And so in one of those columns, I liken him to Captain Kirk on the Starship Enterprise at the command deck, pushing the pretty buttons, but they're not attached to anything. And I've been in touch with a lot of foreign officials this week. They're noticing, and they're afraid of a, a weak United States. You know, 
Uh huh. Okay. So the pro the problem here, as we're being told this, is that Trump is so bad that the government refuses to do its job. Um, why would why is that okay? What what about civil servants these days makes them think that it's all right for them to for them to decide they're they're gonna as he says opt out? Oh, they're gonna opt out. Why? We no longer have, what are we talking about here? The people work for Department of Transportation, Department of the Interior, Department of Labor. Uh, they don't have jobs to do anymore? The, the Amer- they're so offended by Trump that the American people can no longer depend on them? You'll notice, it's very interesting. No one ever says the military is opting out. No one's ever saying, oh, well, the military refuses to play uh, ball with this president. It's the civil bureaucrats. And I think this is wildly overstated. Wildly overstated. I have to be honest with you. So it's supposed to be okay that people who are paid by the taxpayer, people that receive their salary um, from the federal government, are just are are opting out? What is that? First, I think I think David Brooks is wildly overstating the case here. You got to start with that. Uh, I, I do not think that there are going to be walkouts from the federal government. And you know, I'd really like to know. I'd like to see some of these federal employees who are so principled and so anti-Trump. And uh, let let's see some walkouts. Meaning they resign. I don't mean walk out. You know, they're not allowed to protest. Sorry, you don't get to work for the government. Say, I'm not going to do my job. But isn't it fascinating? The military's not doing this. And we, no one expects the military to do this either. Does anyone, I mean, you look at the numbers. The military voted more for Trump than for Hillary overall. And uh, law enforcement. Do we want to take a guess as to whether law enforcement voted more for Trump or for Hillary? So who really is anti-Trump? Uh, maybe this is where I start to get into the fact that the intelligence community is far too big. Yeah, that's right. It is way too large. Oh, and this is the kind of stuff that'll get me in trouble. It's too big. There are so many analysts looking at all this stuff. One of the reasons why I wanted to leave was I felt like there were the, dupli- the duplication of effort and the amount of people, uh, the number of people who were assigned to each specific issue, it was just mind-boggling and I, I would think to myself how do you feel like you have any real investment for a lot of these people in what they're doing in a day-to-day sense when they're going to write a memo on the latest you know political happenings in Durkistan and there are people there are a hundred people the DIA writing on Durkistan there are a hundred I mean I'm making these numbers up but I'm just saying you know there are a hundred people that were ever writing on Durkistan at, at you know NSA on Durkistan there's a thousand people at you know, the DNI on Durka Durka, you just look around, you're like, well, okay, well, I'm writing memos, we're all writing memos, we're all using the same intelligence. What is this? And and how is this supposed to be more effective? The intelligence community is way too large. And it has also become a very comfortable place for people with master's degrees in international affairs who think of them, who want to be very worldly and everything, but don't have... Um, uh, you know, don't have to deal with the stresses of private sector life. You know, I've dealt with the stresses of private sector life. I've, you know, there are 
jobs that I've been applying for and jobs I apply for even before I was in media, didn't get them, um, had in media now, uh, jobs come and go, people hire you, they fire you, they, uh, you don't get the offers you want to get, you think you're being passed over, I mean, this is, you know, in the government, you just have to show up, you have to show up, and uh, yeah, I know there's great government employees too, and I understand all of that, to be sure. And I have friends who work in the government who are fantastic people. and I'm aware of all of this. But overall, this storyline that the government is opting out of a Trump presidency, this is not okay. This is not acceptable. Uh, this is in no way something that I think reflects so badly on Trump. This really reflects badly on people who go to work for the government. Well, what are you doing? Was your mission important or not? And I don't just mean in the intelligence community. I mean elsewhere. Did it, did it matter to you when you showed up at the Department of Commerce? Or were you just collecting a paycheck and like that you work for the federal government and the perks that came with it? And you're surrounded by other people that have you know, good educations. And uh, you, it was, about, was it about you or was it about serving the American people? Because if it's about serving the American people, why would having a president that you don't like change that? And and what makes anyway? I, this is maybe all of this is in a sense is is not moot, but is is much. I'm spending more time on this than I should because I also think this notion that the bureaucracies aren't has anyone. He says there's anarchy. Where's there anarchy? The government's not where this is. Only somebody who spends all their time surrounded with people who think this way would think this way. What part of the federal government is non-functional right now? What part of the federal government? is not working. Where where am I seeing that? Where is there a federal bureaucracy that has all of a sudden uh, ceased to function because of Trump and Trumpism? I I am not aware of of, of this the existence of this. So again, you've David Brooks. Now David Brooks is a conservative who's not really conservative, and that's that's all fine. Um, I mean, it's not good, but it is what it is. Um, but then uh, you look at Trump's fellow Republicans. You know, Trump is now the de facto head of the Republican Party. Uh, we need to understand. This is just, that's reality, like it or not. But you've got John McCain out there, and he's going with this dictator thing, too. This is what he had to say. I'm curious of your reaction to a tweet that the president sent uh, Friday night. The fake news media, failing New York Times, NBC News, ABC, CBS, CNN is not my enemy. It is the enemy of the American people. You believe the press is the enemy? You believe any group of Americans are the enemy of another group of Americans? I was talking about the period, as you know, of the New World Order. A fundamental part of that New World Order was a free press. I hate the press. I hate you, especially. <laughs> but the fact is, I we need you. We need a free press. We must have it. It's vital. If you want to preserve, I'm very serious now, if you want to preserve democracy as we know it, you have to have a free and many times adversarial press. And uh, without it, I'm afraid that we would lose so much of our individual liberties over time. That's how dictators get started. That's, a, that's how dictators get started with tweets like that? With No, they get started by suppressing a free press. Okay, a few things here. 
Uh, you got Chuck Todd saying that, yeah, a tweet like that is how dictators get started. I mean, that's just that's just childish. It's it's nonsense. But there you go. Oh, the media. Oh, we're so essential to democracy. Isn't it also interesting? It's worth pointing out that in an era where every, where anybody with an Internet connection and uh, and, and a following is really a part of the press. Now, you, you can start you can start a blog and have a million readers a month. Uh, so this is also, I think, I mean, there's an existential issue for the media, for the press here, too. Who are they? I mean, yeah, they've got these legacy institutions that still exist that have big reach and a lot of money and a name and subscribers, but they're so essential. What if the New York Times closes doors tomorrow? Would we would we be a worse off country? I don't think so. I think we'd be a better off country. So why exactly? Why exactly do we have to sit here and listen to all of this uh, chest beating from from members of the press about how they're so essential to keeping us from from a tyranny? Uh, you know, they had Barack Obama when he was president threatening to pull all funds from schools that didn't allow boys to use girls' bathrooms. That's what he that's what he did. And, and they weren't talking about tyranny then. You know, your your daughter now, your 12 year old daughter under a Barack Obama regime was in a position where she was being told she had to get changed in front of a 12 year old boy. That's what the administration's position was. And they were going to pull funds from your school. We weren't hearing about tyranny then. We have to hear about tyranny now. You had Barack Obama. You had Barack Obama telling nuns that they have to buy, or else the government's going to find them, going to take their money. They have to buy birth control under the health care plan. Nuns, and there's you know he's not didn't want to grant them a religious exception. You had the federal government suing nuns, saying you you have to buy birth control, and and now we hear about tyranny. I'm I'm sorry. It's not just too little, too late. It's ridiculous. It is absolutely ridiculous. You, you had Barack Obama weighing in on specific, on individual criminal cases. You know, if I had a son, he would have looked like Trayvon. I mean, b- before a jury verdict had been reached because of the politics surrounding it. And, and you know, but, but now we, we face tyranny. You had race riots under the Obama administration in Ferguson and in Baltimore or riots that were primarily uh, rooted in racial animus towards the system, you know, however we want to call it. But there was a time when you just would call it a race riot. A riot over perceptions of racism and over issues of race. And now we get to hear, and, and the administration, the president, uh, always taking the, the, the tone that, you know, this is stuff that happens and, the Justice Department will investigate. And really, just the Justice Department, you know, you were at a point where a mob somewhere would burn down a bunch of CVSs. And the response of the, of the Justice Department was, well, this is complicated and we need to work on police, on police relations. And maybe we should find some way of saying the police department's racist. I mean, that's what they were doing. But now we get to hear about tyranny and why John McCain thinks this is helpful. And also, by the way, John McCain, I have to say, I just got to say this. John McCain pretend, saying that he hates the press. John McCain loves the press. Look, the guy—the guy's got a very, very healthy ego, and I, I know, you know, this is where Obama's country and everything. I, I understand he served his country. So, you know, always have to say we serve his country so honorably. Uh, that doesn't mean that we have to agree with everything he says, and it doesn't mean that the guy is awesome all the time, always and forever, in everything that he does. So, you know, there's there's a part of me that's 
really sick of the cult of John McCain, which is, you know, he's the Republican that goes out there and criticizes Republicans. The moment you start to say it looks like he's showboating a little bit or he's doing this for his very his own purposes, it is. Oh, well, John McCain, you know, look what he did for his country. What have you done? You know, OK, well, so now I don't get to have an opinion. Now someone else doesn't get to have an opinion because John McCain. You know, I mean, you start to get into the whole thing of, OK, so does does everybody who is does, does everybody who, who served in the military and, and was in a POW camp. Do, are their political views for the rest of their life above reproach and no one gets to argue with them? Because that's what it starts to feel like with John McCain. And, and you know, I don't think that anyone would take the position of, oh, well, yeah, sure. Uh, anyway, uh, but but I digress. But McCain saying this is how dictators get started. This is not helpful to anybody. And it just goes to show you that there are going to be a lot of unhappy people in the elite sectors of this uh, of this government and also of this country overall who are not happy what's going on. All right, team, uh, I'm going to hit a break. We'll be back on the flip side to close it out. Stay with me. You're listening to the Buck Sexton Show on the Blaze Radio Network. Team, I, I've been going very long on the first segments today, and, and not going quite as long with the with the uh, the last segments of of the hours here. So I just want to take a few moments here to say that um, it's been so awesome, and it's been noticed by all of the powers that be on my uh, my new uh, nationally syndicated terrestrial radio show. Uh, that Team Buck has come along with me. Um, that you guys are all uh, by my side and, and helping promote the show and listening to the show and calling in. And that, that means the world to me. It really does. And I'm doing five hours of radio a day these days, which is, I've never heard of anybody else doing five hours of solo talk radio a day ever for more than a couple of days. So uh, it's a lot, uh, but it, it is made much easier by the fact that I have all of you uh, supporting me and with me. And if you would please, if you're listening to this right now, or if you're listening even on the podcast, join me for Buck Saxon with America Now. Let's go to AmericanOutRadio.com. You can click live, listen there from 6 to 9 Eastern. Or go to AmericanOutRadio.com slash podcast. Um, we're going to get it on other podcast platforms ASAP. I promise you that. It's going to take a little time. All right, team, join me tonight, and uh, I'll be back with you tomorrow at noon. As always, Shield Talk. The Buck Sexton Show. Only on the Blaze Radio Network.